is Amanda Rosani, and I'm here today on Digital CXO speaking with Samantha Hurst. She is a co-founder and mental health coach of OneMinding. And I'm also here with Dom Ryder. He is an official spokesperson for Cult Dow, as well as the CEO of Vimp Studios. How are y'all doing today? Very good, thank you. How are you? Wonderful. Glad to be here speaking with you both on an important topic. Can you share a little bit about your history and your business, Samantha? And then likewise, Dom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been around mental health for around 10 years. That I kind of fell into it through having my own struggles. So previously to that, I was actually in natural health care. I had a natural health care clinic. Um, and then I found that I came across my own mental health problems and I had to sh- completely stop what I was doing. I mean, I, I lost my business. I, I lost a lot of things in my life. And over a course of a number of years, I, I found what I teach now, which is incredibly helpful. It's called the three principles and it completely transformed my life when I found it. And so then I decided that that would be the direction I would go in, that I would train in the three principles and then I would bring that to the world. So, yeah, that was around 10 years ago. And One Minding was started around 18 months ago via a connection that I have within the cryptocurrency world and a a wonderful woman named Gemma. And we decided that she also had found the principles and it had changed her life and that we would bring, we would come together and we would create something that was free for the world that we could actually share something that was really profound, really impactful and really made a difference. And we realized for both of us, we both lost our businesses out. You know, we both lost, you know, our money, everything went away when we had mental health problems. And it's, it's really a big thing. And people don't realize it's not just that things happen with your mind. It's the fact that your, your, the structure of your life breaks down as well. And so our aim is that somehow, we created this project and it will always be free and we will change people's lives. So it's it's a lovely thing that we're, we're doing. And through that, we've met um, Dom, we've met people in Cult Dow, and we've had a lot of help. So we're very grateful for that. Wonderful. Dom? You've uh, overshadowed me there. My uh, my background isn't, isn't, uh, isn't quite that. Mine is a very uh, traditional, boring... Um, in terms of uh, finance, so I started out, uh, when would it have been, 2013, 2014, um, as a, a stockbroker and then derivatives trader. I worked um, for a company called St. James's Place Wealth Management here in the UK, which is a FTSE 100 wealth manager as an associate partner there. Uh, and then I moved into uh, venture capital, but all of the, again, more boring stuff. Uh, we didn't even invest into like blockchain or tech. We invested into asset-backed businesses. So where people were trying to find the next Google, we were investing into care homes, pubs, hotels, children's nurseries, uh, anything that had a, a property behind it. And uh, I was always interested in uh, crypto and blockchain. Uh, and then that got me into sort of metaverse, uh, which is, although um virtual property investing um and virtual assets it is still uh, asset backed all the same even if they are virtual however way that works uh so that got me uh 
starting my first uh, protocol BIMP. Um, and from there, uh, we um, were involved uh, with Unicrypt, which is a launch pad. And we were a incubated launch through them. Uh, and so I kept in touch with the Unicrypt team and kept in touch with everything that was going on with them. And uh, Colt Dow launched through Unicrypt and uh, I was contacted beforehand to be what is called in the cult community a uh, guardian. So there's 50 guardians uh, and we are allowed to submit proposals. And then uh, everybody who is not a guardian is uh, a member of the many uh, and they vote on the proposals put forward by us, but we can't vote ourselves. So it's a way of democratizing and sort of uh, making the investment world more of a, a meritocracy in the fact that the people who have the largest stake, unlike shareholder capitalism, they don't actually make the decisions. They propose them to everybody else. And it's the will of the many that, that decides. So, yeah, that's my background and how I uh, yeah, came into contact with uh, Colt Dow and uh, Sam and Moser. Wow, that is so very interesting and a different approach. So I think that is a great way to lead into the fact that it's amazing when you think about it, technology is all about the humans behind the technology. So just like with many parts of technology, the output is only as good as the input. So that leads us to mental health wellness. And with that, I'd like to ask, Statistics say that in the wake of the pandemic, mental health has suffered noticeably with anxiety and depression up significantly, according to who. So why is it so difficult for many people in need to access conventional mental health care services? Well, the number one reason is financial. I mean, if you're wealthy in the UK there, you know, you have private health care. You get checked straight into a facility where you can spend a month getting the best care in the world. Unfortunately, if you're not, you can wait three months just to see somebody. And that can be for people, you know, I can only speak for the UK because that's where I'm based. But, you know, that can be people in real crisis can have to wait a long time. And I see them, you know, I have contact with these people and there just isn't a quality of care there. So I think finances definitely comes into it. I think the system um, is actually broken also. I don't think that even when they can get the care, is it adequate? It's almost like a sticking plaster. It's not necessarily dealing with the root cause. And it may be that when they do get the care, they may get six sessions with a therapist or group therapy for 12 sessions. And and actually what's lacking in is this connection this care this this need for people to be listened to what we teach with one minding is definitely revolutionary it's definitely something that is very different for the mind i think people would have to listen to that to find out rather than me talk for an hour about what it what it is but it really can make a huge difference and i think just listening to what we do is incredibly profound and life-changing. But when people can actually have contact with us, which is which is the aim, you know, at the moment people can have that, but it isn't set up, but that's what we're looking to do. When it's set up for people who then can directly get in touch with us and do live courses, then I think that's going to make a real difference. So 
you know, we're just two women that have come together and are trying to provide something that can really help the mental health of the world. I mean, you said 25%. I would say it's a lot more. I would say there's so many people that are suffering that don't say that they're suffering, that hide it, as well as, you know, so you've got the bandwidth of people that may be a bit stressed and have some anxiety to full-on mental breakdown, psychosis, um, schizophrenia. So, you know, mental health is such a broad term for such a range of diagnoses. So I think what what we're looking at is, yes, there's we're bringing that to the world and how we can grow that. We've been very, very lucky to be, you know, connected to CupDAO, to, to Vemp, because they are helping us do that. But we know that it can be bigger and it can be better. So I think that, the again, the main priority is a, a system that's broken and finances that aren't there for the people that need it. Well, I appreciate you bringing that service to the world. Um, and that leads to the next question. With the advent of all this amazing, fast-moving technology and the digital transformation that the world is going through right now, as the new generation of the internet, Web3, is introduced, decentralized technologies that are democratizing many services that were not accessible before have become available. One obvious example is the disruption of traditional banking services like lending. However, blockchain can also be used for supply chains of information and revolutionize the way that data on clinical research is collected, tracked, and shared. So can you comment on how this can better serve patient health care? It's good to have a blockchain question that isn't just based on uh, speculation, as that's what crypto has mainly been uh, known for, as well as, you know, decentralized finance, DeFi. Um, one of the main problems that's been facing the industry is the fact that you know, it's synonymous with, um, oh, this person bought Bitcoin in at this year and now it's worth X, Y, Z. And so much emphasis is put on speculation uh, and, you know, uh, the financial element um, of it. And you escape the actual full on revolutionary concept and revolutionary technology behind it, which is blockchain and distributed ledger technology in healthcare specifically the one that sticks out the most is decentralized file storage so there's a few protocols that are very good with this one of them in fact is called filecoin funnily enough we're not an, an imaginative bunch in terms of a <laughs> uh, crypto you've got a bitcoin that mines bits so what do we call it bitcoin filecoin we do file storage which we call it filecoin there we go but yeah um so essentially you know just like with any sort of a interaction and any sort of, uh, let's say, accident or any sort of data uh, hack or data storage, the failure point is always 90% of the time with the human uh, behind it, whether that be um, dropped USB stick or somebody, a phishing email, uh, you know, even though it may not be their fault if, you know, they did get unfortunately uh, hacked or click on the one link. At the end of the day, there is somebody who gives a file or a Trojan horse or a virus permission to access certain files, certain data. And that can cause a whole host of uh, problems, especially amongst, you know, the healthcare profession, where if you're dealing with a lot of vulnerable people and suddenly you expose all those vulnerabilities to the world, then, you know, that's not going to have a, a good impact on their personal well-being. So one of the uses of blockchain technology specifically in healthcare is the fact that you can take away 
the human interaction and you can code and automate the access and the encryption of data onto the blockchain. So once you actually upload this data to the blockchain, it's there forever. And a lot of people just think of crypto uh, for you know, what it was known for in the old days of, you know, people think crypto, they think like money laundering or they think of like uh, illegal um, things because you get like, you know, again, with some hacks, they'll say, pay us one Bitcoin and we will, you know, allow you back in. But in reality, uh, what people don't understand about DeFi crypto in particular is that it was built and is designed to actually be more transparent than the current banking and financial system, because if you give your $50,000 to HSBC, funny enough, I saw an article today that they've uh, banned people from using credit cards for any crypto transaction. So you give your 50 grand to HSBC, and then you can no longer see what they do with your money. In the meantime, they set aside money to pay money laundering fines every year, knowing that they'll get caught doing it, which is crazy how they, they don't allow crypto because of money laundering, but they'll set aside money to pay money laundering fines. So with the blockchain, every single transaction, every wallet is put onto a distributed ledger in order for it to be seen by anybody. So if I put my money into, well, onto the blockchain, you can follow that money wherever it goes. You can know exactly who has it. The only thing that you can't see is the name of the person who owns the wallet. So this is where the sort of revolutionary technology behind blockchain gets lost by speculation in the fact that it was there and created to take away the problems of the financial system, but of almost every industry that you can equate that to, which is to take away a central power figure, obviously with banking, with finance, but also with the fact that any human, any pilot, 99% of plane crashes are from human error. And it's almost the same with any industry and any problem. It makes it seem that you're just trying to like apply blockchain to every problem. It's not necessarily about that, but it is about the fact that if you can automate and take human error out of as many interactions as possible, then you are almost certainly going to have a more foolproof system. So I think that is uh, definitely with healthcare, uh, one of the main areas that's uh, being revolutionized by blockchain. So it's permanently there. Once it's on the blockchain, um, it's permanently there. And it's amazing that the technology of blockchain, how much further that has helped in the business industry than just the cryptocurrency itself. Um, it's really that technology behind the cryptocurrency that I feel is making huge waves across many industries. Um, so... Among the technologies that are enabling mental health services for free to a mass audience, I think of two particular that seem to have great potential. One is AI-based coaches. We're hearing so much about AI these days. Um, and while it is clear that a real person can adjust to their clients with more sensitivity, these robot coaches are nonetheless surprisingly effective in helping people to rethink their problems by using a question and answer approach that promotes the development of a client's self-reflection skills. And then the other one is uh, instruments and podcasts that address real-life crises from their audiences, like a kind of mass coaching session. Um, and I know podcasts are just growing and growing by the day. So can you speak to these innovative services? 
Yeah, um, AI I don't really know lots about. I would say I'm sure it could help up to a point, but as I said earlier, I think the lack of connection, I think we've all become so separate. So I think when you really touch base with someone within the aspect of them suffering mentally, there's something in that human connection that is incredibly powerful. So I'm sure there is up to a point where they could be beneficial. But when you're, I think when you're dealing with people, I'm really looking to where we bring more people together. We connect more as humans, not less. So it's probably not a direction I'd look at as beneficial for what we were doing, but you know, never say never, you never know. Um, but the podcast is our area. That is actually what we do. We, we, we get online, we speak every week. Um, we cover different topics, uh, we have questions, we have guests, and we've found that it's such a great way to share with the world because, you know, oh God, I should have checked before we came on, but I think it's like we've been listened to in 104 countries now. So this this message that we want to get out there, we know the ripple effect of it, and we know that really for us it was the absolute best way to do it. And what we're finding is the growth from that is, is you know, it's exponential, but it's, you know, there's, there's times where it really grows very quickly. And we're kind of like, oh, oh we, like, we don't actually know what that point was. What was, what did, what was heard that has suddenly kind of set it off into a, to a bigger audience to more people. But we know that if we stay on this track, that what the, this growth will actually be able to, help others because not only are they listening to us when they hear it for themselves they can share it with others so you know what we teach it is really interesting there's a simplicity to it that it can really reach people in a way that you know just telling them what to give we don't give instructions or prescriptions we give them a description of the human experience and how the mind works and and it's a it's an insight-based program that we used so I think that insight, when someone gets it for themselves, then we know that then they're living from that space and that they can share. So we see it. It's, it's you know, if you look at the web and how it how it kind of it goes out into the world, it, it can touch everybody. Absolutely. So that's our vision is, is it's there's no one that it can't touch by doing it in this way because we never know who's listening to us. Yes, it really is the one of the best ways to reach the whole world very quickly. Um, so as a result of the pandemic, governments and healthcare systems were quick to remove regulations and enable remote delivery of mental health services. However, as a result, the growing shortage of mental health care providers only became more evident. In the U.S., 61% of psychiatrists are nearing retirement. What other ways that we have not yet addressed do the new digital technologies provide to multiply the reach of accessible mental health care? Yeah, I always wonder um, what the means is to the uh, to the end, as in, um, well, in the UK specifically, the emphasis from the government is always on addressing um, you know, mental health and uh, everybody, especially in like corporates as well. I remember my old VC, you know, they would have like uh, mental health ambassadors uh, and they would have um, all of these uh, individual sessions and, and people coming in. Um, but 
there was always a certain part of me that maybe it's because I'm a pessimist. Uh, there was always a certain part of me that just thought, well, if you didn't put everyone under so much stress, you wouldn't need that, would you? So there's always a certain element of how many uh, things can be effectively um, a short-term solution is plastering over these things when sometimes you're not necessarily getting to the root cause of the problem. I mean, in terms of like how uh, technology can actually increase that reach um, and speaking about the blockchain element specifically, you have the concepts that you saw coming out late late 2021, uh, maybe even as early as early 2022, where you had uh, these move to earn concepts uh, and just like how play to earn was incentivizing people to game and to earn from actually you know playing all of their games like Axie Infinity you had Stepan come out as sort of the very very first which would literally pay people to go running and these sort of concepts are brand new so there's a lot of problems with them um, you know <laughs> the immediate thing thinking is uh, Obviously, if you're just paying people to run, then you know how sustainable is that model? So you need to have all of these things in mind when you're creating it, because you know uh, with crypto in particular and with any sort of economy, um, you know you need to be very cautious on the amount that you give out and, and put away versus the amount that you extract, because you know that's the uh, exact reason why we're uh, <laughs> you know currently seeing inflation around the globe is central banks printed so much money that you had a 30% of US dollars in existence were printed in the past three years compared to the past century. Um, and to think that that won't inflate the supply and therefore decrease the value is ludicrous. So the same thing is exactly the same when you're incentivizing people uh, to do any action, whether that's look after their mental health, physical health, you are effectively designing an economic model that is going to work for everybody. And nobody knows uh, economics. People just have the best grasp of it. If everybody knew economics, everybody would be making so much money on like the stock market or crypto or on all of these, these things. You know, it's a it's also almost a pseudoscience that it doesn't exist, the economy. It's just a concept that we live by. You know, what is money? What is uh, fiat versus blockchain, you know, deflationary, etc. So there's certainly innovation to be had. There's no perfect sort of formula, but by all means, uh, incentivization structures have gone a long way to broadening those horizons. But, you know, there's going to be many learning curves and many uh, pitfalls along the way because, yeah, it's it's a science, it's a, a, an art, it's uh, all of the above in terms of getting these things right. But again, that's a very human element of blockchain tech. Yes. And real quick, we don't have a lot of time left, but I'd love to get your input about where do you think things like the metaverse fit in and virtual reality? Do you see mental health services being offered within a metaverse platform anytime soon? I think so. But I mean, um, you would also argue that's uh, very much on my point of, uh, it's uh, you know, if people are getting affected by too much screen time, being on their phones too much, to offer mental health services on their screen is a bit like, well, you know, but at the same time, you know, people learn in different ways. We can't just, uh, you know, have a sweeping 
um, you know, screens are evil or metaverses are evil. Uh, you know, it's such a new concept that people aren't even aware of what is uh, good or bad in a metaverse gaming and in a VR world. But people do learn in different ways. And if you have the ability to learn in a three-dimensional world uh, and interact with, for example, with, uh, with so if we could sit in and rather than having a Zoom call, we could effectively be sitting on a, a couch opposite each other, uh, full, um, you know, three-dimensional, then after a while with VR, if you've ever tried one of these headsets, um, you know, you do forget uh, and you then go back into it. And if you're able to forget, then you're able to fully relax and your body is almost a body and mind is tricked into being in reality and that's how sort of the vr works so certainly there's a uh, definitely questions on the means to the end but uh, i think it will very quickly uh, become normalized and i'd be surprised if we didn't see it absolutely well i want to thank you both for coming on today and speaking about the importance of mental health awareness and how technology is helping to expand the reach of services to the world. Thank you again so much. Thank Welcome. you. Thanks for having us.